when when Wyatt first introduced the concept to me, I was saying uh, like thanks for giving us the next like three years worth of Patreon content. <laughs> just this work's just done for us now. Like, which yeah, we, we don't have to keep the list going. Yeah. yeah, oh, I was just doing the the trust the process show, and someone wrote in, and it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Where they're like, "Hey, thanks for these videos so far. I've only been a fan for ten years, and watching your videos has done a lot to explain kind of the history of the Canucks." More so than Drance's book, which I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that music to my ears to like bug Drance about. Yeah, uh, that's funny. <laughs> Still the best uh, Army's writer. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, I have to say. <laughs> that's so good. I love the comments because Drance is definitely going heel mode. And so, like, the comments is an anger and anger against him. And I'm like the baby face of the Army. So, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah guys, totally. why so mad, Drance? <laughs> that's, I feel like that. I feel like that's a long, uh, that's like a long standing tradition because I remember when, like, way back when you started doing them um on reddit like all the reddit guys were insisted that like wyatt's pravies were better than botches because like botch was too negative or whatever no, it was because yeah. Wyatt would quote from canucks reddit instead of just twitter yeah i, I uh, saw them yes <laughs> they got so happy they felt seeing <laughs> speed agility power i'm a big fan of these things all of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I'm your host, Jax McDonald. I'm B.S. Oh, sorry, I'm B.S. <laughs> and Elliot Hoyt. <laughs> and uh, joining us, you may know him from uh, the Trust the Process podcast or as an author of The Armies or via his Twitter account, at The Stanchion. It's our friend Wyatt Art. Wyatt, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. And as per usual to anyone that's ever heard me speak, I'll be speaking very fast. Yes, which I is will good, not change your podcast. Yeah, no, not particularly. <laughs> um, I was gonna ask, how are you? Uh, I know it's probably not really like a week off for you, but how are you enjoying the week off from Canucks hockey so far? It, it is a, a week off in the sense because you know, I write the armies, and a lot of that is like being aware of the, the social media status of Canucks Nation. So, not having to read that is so nice because it's been like the civil <laughs> war for two years, and holy lord, it's so tiring at times. Like, uh, yeah. the most disingenuous arguments I've ever seen in my life take place on there. <laughs> it's like, guys. <laughs> relax <laughs> yeah something uh justin and i were talking about recently and i've talked about it with other people too is just how like there's just nothing new to argue about anymore and so for me like just being able to check out for a week has been i mean i've fucking checked out already pretty much but like being able to really check out for a week has been a nice uh relief but yeah people are so bored they're arguing over like hammocks no movement clause like oh god go inside yeah. guys that's the dumbest thing I've heard because again, if you're getting mad at any point in time about a one-year contract, like 1.25, is it like, yeah, there are so many worse things to get mad about. Like so many worse things that betting has done that you can get mad about for real. That's the least of them. Yeah. Even as somebody who, you know, like loves to be critical, critical of uh, Canucks management, like even I'm like, come on guys, pick your battles. Like mm -hmm. that's an obvious one because 
like he's got like a kid with health problems or something right like that's why he wanted that no move clause and he takes like a really cheap contract where like they don't even sign him on day one like they sign him to a pto or whatever so that uh so that they can make him work under the cap or whatever like he was a good sport and i think getting the the no move clause in return is like a fine a fine thing not only for him to do but also like it, it was it was a bet by Jim and it didn't like really pay off the way they wanted it to, but whatever it's, it's like why it said it's a, it's a million dollars. I'd rather him make bets like that than the other bets he makes. Like it's one of his better decisions. That he's yeah. Made. Yeah. That's that can be it kind of hurt a bummer, if it doesn't work out anyways. Um, like we said, no Canucks hockey this week to talk about, but uh, there was one story in the news that absolutely has a Canucks connection. If nothing else, um, which is the firing of now former NHL referee Tim Peel, who was caught on a hot mic, basically saying explicitly what we all already know to be true, which is that refs do makeup calls um, or, you know, game management or whatever you want to call it. Um, Do you guys remember like what it was exactly that he got caught on the mic saying it was something like he said that he wants, he wants to give Nashville a penalty early. Something like that. Yeah, right. I wanted to give Nashville a fucking penalty, something like that, right? And uh, I was curious, Wyatt, I know you had a lot to say about this on Twitter, so I'll start by asking you, like, what were, wh- what's your feeling around this whole thing? Oh, Tim Peel. Um, yeah, it's it's both an issue of, like, systemic issues, but also, like, Tim Peel, obviously, I don't think is the most fantastic ref in the world. I think he had that interview with Wyshynski where he admitted that he made some mistakes. Like he, he himself knows he's not the greatest ref. He's never done many playoff games. Like he knows what he is. So I give him respect for that. <laughs> but, you know, in this case where for me, you got Tim Peel on record, you know, saying that, as everyone said, saying the quiet part out loud, he gets in trouble. And all of a sudden here comes Colin Campbell, the big man on Campbell. Like, no, the integrity of the game needs to be upheld no matter what the context. This guy is gone. By the way, he's retiring in a month anyways, but still, we've got to uphold the standards <laughs> of this. Which he, is the most, oh, even the language around this, he wasn't fired. Oh, yeah, no, he wasn't. Yeah, that's true. I, I even went, I, I went too far. People said, like, why do you think he was fired? No, he was just removed from active duty. Right, that's all yes. it was for one more month. And it's just that it was posturing because, again, and I look back and I go back and watch that. I talk about the armies, that Ron McClain interview where Colin Campbell does these emails about like yelling at people about his son. And like, can we get rid of this guy? He didn't make the right call against my son. That diving, that diving fake artist, Mark Savard, blah, blah, blah. Like obviously some guy that's yelling at his, his, his people below him. And then he's like, doesn't take any accountability for it. It's like, no, 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 no. Like that was just locker talk. Like I was just having uh, yelling with some friends. I'm just a hockey dad. And at that time, no, no, no. The integrity game doesn't mean anything. But now when a ref, you know, can be put on the chopping block for sure, it means everything. And that Ron McClain, if you go back and watch that video, Ron McClain was like salivating to just destroy Alex Burroughs. Like it is insane to watch that going. Because anyone says to Vancouver, hey guys, you've got a bit of a complex about 2011. If you weren't there, you don't remember what it was like. Like yeah. it was the world against Vancouver, the media of every city against Vancouver. And you've got Ron McClain on national TV calling out Alex Burroughs, who again, he's not a saint. He did a lot of things over the line. But just to like throw him solely under the bus like that blew my mind. Like I could not believe that Colin Campbell of all people had the balls to be like, hey man, the integrity of the game. So that no matter what the context, that's what counts. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I seem to recall you saying too that like if you were going to guess which two referees <laughs> yeah. are going to get caught on hot mics in an officiating controversy, you pretty much could have p- picked uh, Sutherland and Peel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like those are the two poster boys for refs that like will 
do it that way. And again, it is, there's, it's a systemic issue in the sense that like everyone's done. It. It's the kind of the thing that, you know, the wink, wink, we know how we all joke about on Twitter game management. Ha ha ha. Oh, it feels like a penalty is coming up because they're down by one. We all know it's there, but to hear it said out loud, you're like, okay, well, this is actually, you know, it is kind of shitty. Uh, it would be better if they fixed it, but the NHL doesn't want that. They don't, they don't want any transparency whatsoever. They're the guys that held, you know, uh, a draft behind Dorsey who would get Crosby. And all of a sudden, like, why was that hidden from us? Which again, I'm not saying anything bad happened, but why not clear your optics, right? Like why not have everything up front and center? But why would the NHL do that? They've never done that. So just to have this whole situation, it just brought up a lot of memories of 2011. And again, it's very easy to get caught up in the conspiracy shit. I'm not going down that hole, but just in terms of like, could there have been stuff that went against the Canucks? Of course there could have been. This is a league that plays very fast and loose and is not going to tell you what they're doing. So it was just a, yeah, it was just not funny to watch more of like a big side to watch. Like, okay, we're doing this again. Like, geez. Yeah. It's pretty, um, it's pretty wild. I, I have to ask too, like, <sighs> it does feel a bit hypocritical to to see them axe Tim. I mean, like you said, it's not actually really a firing, but for all intents and purposes, like axe Tim Peel over a comment like this on a hot mic when they've pretty much just admitted that this is what they do. Everyone's been saying for years that the NHL needs to fix its officiating, but like, how do you actually do that? Because I feel like it's easy to say, oh, just call it by the book, but you know, you could very easily make a case that if you actually were to do that, you'd just be calling penalties every two minutes or whatever. So like, what do you think is a, like the first step in fixing this problem? Well, I mean, that's kind of like 2005 out of the lockout, they did kind of call every penalty. Like that's when Brian McKay became the world's greatest player. Cause all of a sudden there was power <laughs> plays galore and everyone's like, this is crazy, but it, I think players would adapt to that. And they've always, that's the one thing players have always said. If he gives consistency, we'll adapt to it. So there would be a learning curve. But if you started calling things by the book the way you wanted to, it would happen. I think there would be some change. Like we've seen really enough, the NHL has really been cracking down on those like ticky-tack stick penalties where like some guy reaches out and kind of slashes your stick and all of a sudden that's the end of the world stuff. So I know they can change. I've seen it. They can call weird shit. I've seen it happen. So they can definitely call things by the book if they wanted to. But, you know, with this league, you see it like, you know, I don't think they want to do that. I don't think they have any reason to want to do that because game management is fine. And you've seen on the TV now, like refs are now covering their mics when they're talking to players yeah. now. <laughs> like, like Patrick Johnson had a great point. Yeah. yeah, Patrick Johnson had a great point in his article <laughs> saying like, hey, like rugby refs, they keep their, their mics on all the time. It's accountability. And yeah, you can keep the mics on all the time. And if ref makes a bad call, don't throw them under the bus, but you can teach them. It's a teaching moment. Like, here's what we want to call. Here's what we can change. You don't necessarily need to make that part open to the public, but just say, hey, we're talking to the refs all the time. And you'll see that reflected in the game it's called. But again, that's asking the NHL to be so much more accountable than they are. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm being cynical for sure, but we've had years upon years of Gary Bettman running this league and he runs it a certain way. They're just hoping this, like, that's what Team Peel was. Team Peel was, was them going, here's our sacrificial lamb. We fired him. We took care of what we think. That's the problem. You got Darren Drager saying like, hey man, guys, you don't need to make changes because of one hot mic. Like that's okay, Darren, that's insane. <laughs> uh, carry that water, buddy. But like, you just, uh, you, yeah. I mean, he's not wrong because the problem is ultimately that the fans don't have a problem with Tim Peel. The problem that fans have is here's the proof of this thing that we've been saying for years. Can we fix this? Actual I think you're problem? giving more credit than Darren than I want to give though. And the other thing too is like, <laughs> yeah. The other thing too is that if calling every penalty by the book is going to result in way too many penalties, even if you let the players adapt, then rewrite the book. Yeah. We've yep. seen rule yep. changes before. Mm-hmm. If the rule book isn't what you want to call, then don't have it in the rule book. Like, I think that's a very simple solution that gets overlooked. Like the rules aren't set in stone. We've seen lots of rule changes. If the penalty book is too onerous, then make it shorter and let, and then call the penalties. 
Yeah, things can change. Watch and watch the '87 Cup and watch Gretzky just hook everyone in his sight. Like it is crazy to watch what they used to do back then. Is all the hooks, all the interference. Watch it. Things can change, and they can be a part of that. But will they do it? I I don't know. It just seems. Yeah, I'm cynical, but I don't think they will. I've seen a lot of people bring up like Elliot Friedman talk about the lotteries or uh, the uh, the sports betting element of this, and I I don't know if I buy it so much yet, just because I feel like the NHL. Uh, I guess what I want to say is like, or what I, what I want to ask is, how much do you think that actually is a factor in them ideally moving towards more consistency? So people uh, like, who's going to bet on a game when they know what's going to happen when it's two minutes left and like they know a penalty is going to happen? Yeah. I, th- I think that's part of like why they're kind of doing the Tim Peel thing. Like, hey, there's no problem here. It's just it's the one-off, this crazy guy. Look at Tim Peel. What a crazy man. We got rid of that problem. Mm-hmm. Keep betting on the games, please. Um, <laughs> that Because, I, yeah, I mean, that would require the NHL to be proactive and be like, hey, look, we want to clean this up. We want to make it more consistent. That's almost them admitting that there was an issue at first, which this they don't do often. So I don't know mm-hmm. if they would. I don't, what do you guys think? I mean, I think that they're, in a way, it's like they're so lucky it was Tim Peel. because that's like the perfect guy for it to be because if you catch like you know wonder boy like Wes McCauley doing this then I feel like it becomes almost more of a thing because it's like it's not a guy that was on people's radars as like being a shitty referee whereas Tim Peel is like the he's one of maybe two or three NHL referees that like an average fan might be able to name. And it's all because of like him being very vocal in the media and, you know, doing the piece with Wyshynski and et cetera, et cetera. And like, I feel like in a, in a weird sort of way, the, the NHL is probably, probably feels like, Oh fuck. Thank God it was that guy who got caught. Cause now we can just fire him and say it's a one-off and, you know, it's just a, a problem with this one guy and people will believe us. Whereas, you know, if it was somebody maybe like a little bit less well-known, it might just, you know, add even more fuel to the fire of, you know, the discussion around it being a systemic problem. That's, I, I find that funny that the quote that was brought up, um, you know, from Kerry Fraser saying like, hey, like penalties are a gift I can give. Um, again, that's another thing where it's good that's Kerry Frasering that because we all know that like, you know, the infamous Toronto penalty, he looking right at it, did not call it. <laughs> uh, for like for me, like I just wish they would bring like Paul Stewart to me seems like a real straight shooter. If they could bring him involved in Val, he always seems to be like, no, call it the right way. Like if they could just kind of overhaul it, I would love to bring in people that like call it a certain way. But I think that's a great point. Like it's Tim Peel. What what a scapegoat? You could have asked for a better person to brush it aside as like, well, hey, Peel's gonna peel, and then you just move on with your day, right? And everyone's like, and people will accept that. Like, hey, we all know one bad ref, and then you can move on with your day. So mm-hmm. yeah, they did mm-hmm. dodge a bullet in a sense for sure. Yeah, it's like you know getting to make a new rule because Sean Avery was a dick. (laughs) Like, it's like, you can't pick a more perfect guy, but uh, moving on from that, I should get to the, what we're going to spend the bulk of the episode talking about, which is the uh, floorboards of glory uh, thing that you've got going on there over at trust the process. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Give a little Vox explainer of uh, what you guys got going on over there. Yeah, our podcast obviously is the, the sixth best hockey podcast in the world. We're, we're down the list. So <laughs> we wanted to do a, a tournament of a March Madness style bracket. Uh, last year, I think we saw the, the Daryl put on the, the Canucks Twitter one, which was fun because I got to make fun of Drance, one of my favorite pastimes. Uh, yes. And then Luongo, again, I, I warned everyone that Luongo will tweet once and he'll never talk to you again, which has happened 100%. You voted wrong, people. Uh, so we <laughs> want to do something fun. <laughs> where it was more kind of our show's vibe, which was the 64 most irreverent moments. Those kind of moments aren't like the dragon slayer goal from Burroughs, but just kind of 
weird small moments kind of like if you took them all at once and read them all you'd kind of understand what it meant to be a Canucks fan and a lot of it's pain uh, but that's kind of what's <laughs> brought us here as as Canucks fans yeah fair enough that makes sense um what uh what what was it Daryl's thing that gave you the idea to do it or was it just something you were kicking around for a long time in the old uh, noggin I was definitely kicking around but when I saw Daryl kind of put his together and kind of brought people together uh, I kind of wanted to do it because it was kind of, you know, the season's going to be pretty shitty. They're going to, you know, we're basically watching to see what they do with the deadline and their draft position again. And there's so much fighting on Twitter that I kind of wanted to, you know, I don't know if it reminds the right word, but kind of, you know, bring out, you know, the good things the Canucks passed that made us fans that kind of made us enjoy moments of sports and kind of just kind of take the focus off of yelling at each other and just kind of talk about sports again for a little bit. So <laughs> that was the main focus of that. Fair enough. Um, did you guys like, were there any honorable mentions or anything that you, thought about putting into the 64 but just didn't for any reason yeah there were there were moments either got just a a bit too big for the tournament some that you know we didn't know we we changed it up to like poor matt henderson he did the graphics for us we like i told him like at least seven times this is the last update i'm going to give you and then (laughs) i give another update uh every other day and yeah like one we really wanted was uh, we debated Luongo being in the weather network which is kind of a fun off story oh yeah yeah that's a great one too right like a bunch of those ones we wanted to do that might have made the cut and one day they did one day they didn't sometimes we're like okay that's too many bx stories because 2011 is so big that like you kind of want to make sure you don't do too many of them so yeah it was kind of like kind of trying to find the right balance and again a lot of people rightfully pointed out that there was recency bias we didn't do a lot of the older ones but for us you know i do know that older ones tend to die in the votes because people don't know them as well but in terms of being a historian it probably would have been better for us to have included those but we also as we talked about pre-show finding video quality of some of this stuff is a bit hard when it's older stuff so we kind of also wanted to have the visuals as well so we did kind of lean into the more recent stuff for sure and if you're talking about stuff from the 70s and 80s too like some of it wasn't even televised and some of it you can't even find video for like i was thinking about a great like legendary sort of Canucks uh, meme moment was the the like John Garrett hot dog in the pad. Like yeah, that's a that's an story. excellent story, but it's not it's a pretty niche for anybody who's like like I mean it's it's I'm 27 and it's even kind of surprising that I know that story. I only know mm-hmm. it from like talking about it on the broadcast. And then also like I don't know how you'd ever find video of it or even like any kind of like reference to it at the time and not just like you know something from five years ago on the broadcast I mean, is the whole crux of that story that like no one officially knew that it happened yeah i suppose that's probably true yeah you'd have to like go back through uh and like find the date or whatever <laughs> try to like reverse engineer uh which game it happened in but um Let's uh let's go through it. I have it saved on my phone here. I just have to pull it up. Cool. So starting off in the Smeal division as our number one seed, we have the Cody Hodgson bar down goal. Game eight, baby. Game eight. It was on my birthday, uh, and I watched it in a tiny cafe in Carousel while hungover. I'll be real with you. 2012 was a rough like year for my hockey consumption. I was so burnt out from watching the entire run in 2011 that I was pretty passive in my hockey consumption the following year until they made it into the playoffs. Um, So I don't remember if I watched this one live, but the one thing I definitely do remember is just uh, for years and years and years afterward, every game being called like game nine, game 10, (laughs) 
game 12. <laughs> and like it went, I seem to recall it going all the way up to like game 14 or 15 before <laughs> like that stopped being a thing. I think it was like around the time the Sudians retired, people finally gave it up. But I always thought that was a funny uh, meme. Oh, one last thing I want to say about that one is um, big shout out to friend of the show, uh, Daniel Wagner and his detective work on the bar pinging sound and his, oh his remix of it. Oh, what happened there? So he noticed that the ping from, like, you know how Patterson's hit like eight posts this year? Of course. Well, the ping sounds different than when Cody Hodgson went bar down. Interesting. So he did like an investigation and he figured out what note it was <laughs> and then edited it into a song. That rocks. That's great. I, I that, do need to jump in on the Cody. That, that's my favorite moment, probably, of one of my top three. Fair enough. That was the first moment. Uh, that's the first uh, time I met Bosch in person. We watched the game together in a oh, bar wow. at like 11 in the morning. So that's always oh, like wow. a special memory for me. But that goal itself, like, it represents so much because that was like, what if the Canucks had Hudson in 2011? What does this mean for the future? Like, they can beat Boston now. Like, it, there was so much around that game in terms of like, they're tougher now. They got Dale Weiss. He's going to beat people up. They've got like, they can beat these tough Bruins now. And for them to win that game. And like, we didn't know at the time, but that, that was the absolute peak, the last peak of that core. Like they put all yeah. their in, effort into that game and then it went downhill. But like that game itself meant like so much in terms of the emotion behind it. So that's yeah, one of my favorite moments on that list for sure. Yeah, it was so cathartic. Yeah, that's definitely definitely a well-deserved number one seed in uh, in the region there. And then uh, number 16 is uh, signing Mark Messier, which um, honestly... <laughs> I would I would love to do a heritage minute on this at some point because I feel like we've all purposely memory hold it. But um, yeah. the context around that is so fascinating because I remember like a few years ago, something going around Arcanucks that was like news footage from like global news from the day that he signed with, you know, whoever the like global news guy was at the time, kind of like talking about, how this was a huge signing for the Canucks and like how it put them into the Stanley cup conversation. And it's just so funny to see how these things age, you know? The yeah. Best I memory have, oh, sorry. Now, one quick thing and I'll give it to you oh. is the fact that everyone at that press conference applauded when Messi stood up. It was bizarre. Imagine <laughs> that now they signed someone. Everyone's like, <laughs> like Ian McIntyre. Yes. <laughs> it was bizarre. Yeah, I really want to read what the stuff was written about that about that signing when it did happen. I would love because if, if all the press wrote is applauded, I would love to read what their predictions were of the team. That, that would be that that should be what, what happens when you do an episode about that. Yeah, Reading totally. About all that stuff. If I can find like, yeah, articles predicting uh, Messier's impact on the Canucks or whatever, that would be a lot of fun. There's, there's probably stories in there about like Messier's first time he visited Vancouver or his Vancouver connections. Like, did you know he has an aunt who lives in Kitsilano? Like, he's going to fit right in. I don't know. Fuck. Talk, talk to Matthew Johnson because he's got access to the province archives. He will find those articles for you oh. boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's an awesome resource for that. He's gone. He's found stuff for me before, actually. Oh, it's awesome. Um, a uh, real quick question about that about not sorry not that context but like this whole bracket is what is the metric for winning uh, i guess it's i go obviously it's voting but like is it the stuff that i like the most is it the stuff that is like so cathartic so representative of canucks twitter culture yeah, what's, your like, cri- what's what's your personal criteria for this wyatt for me, it would be like, what's the most like symbolic kind of connect memory that's not the biggest one? So that's why something like Cluche goal against Lynch should be in there or like Messi, that could be it. Um, mm-hmm. Again, if, if there is a moment like Cody Hodgson, like it's just those moments that get so overblown become part of our, our culture that I that's what I would go for. 
uh, and you've seen people on Twitter like say like I went for my favorite moment. I didn't want to support sadness, but in the end, it's for you. For me, I would say vote for the one that like for you. Like you had to like use a moment to show what it means mm. to be a Canuck fan or historian. That's the one you should be voting for. Yeah, which yeah. one is the like Rosetta Stone of yeah. Canucks? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. One moment can encapsulate yeah. what it means to be a Canucks fan. Yeah, that's the one. Perfect. What what uh, moment either did or would have gotten like six separate uh sections in the pravies or athletes about it at the time you know exactly yeah mm. okay so our next match up here is uh burrows snaps the streak and tries to break his stick versus uh the canucks fan flashing ben eager in the penalty box which is That's our first moments. one that we've uh <laughs> that we've done uh a her- an actual heritage minute on for the uh patreon but let's start with the uh burrows uh snapping the streak i remember this one vividly because I was a huge Alex Burroughs truther when he first came into the league. And I remember just hilariously, like as a stupid kid who, who, who knew nothing about hockey and would say dumb shit like this all the time, being like an early supporter of put the put bros with the twins. And it was literally just because I had this like old man, uh, hockey, you know, like old hockey man, um, idea about like he is the hardest worker on the team put him on the top line to reward him or whatever and then like i i spent well i mean if this if this episode is any indication the next like 12 13 years bragging about it (laughs) but um this was like this is almost feels like too positive of a moment to be on this list because it's uh uh, I remember just being so elated when it finally happened and him being the guy to to break that streak as well. It was uh, it was actually probably one of uh, like the most iconic Canucks moments for me. I think one of the keys for us for this list was like, did this end in internal happiness and none of them do? That's what the big thing was. <laughs> so yeah, it was great. Like it saved me to his job for sure. And it was like kind of the start of bros. And that was one of the weird things about like the entire Sedin bros line throughout their career was like, what's the perfect line mate for the Sedins? Like it was, it was Burroughs. They had it right there. Like I worked really well. Like they kept thinking, what if Taylor Pyatt could do better? No, like you got it. Like <laughs> stop trying to find a random power forward. Like go with Burroughs. He knows how they play. Like you got to find someone who plays with Sedins. And so uh, it was a great moment. Again, it kind of signified the start of the, that rise of that core. And I think it belongs in there. And again, they didn't win the cup. So it's a perfect moment of like saying, Hey, that was a great run, but didn't quite win the prize. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that moment doesn't happen, arguably, well, 2011 doesn't happen. Well, there's a lot but... of speculation that if that doesn't happen, that like a lot more things get blown up a lot sooner, True. right? True. Yeah. We we do have some sort of a rebuild. And good, bad, I don't know. All I do know is that I think the winner of whatever this one uh, loses anyways to Messier versus Hudson. I... I, I gotta say that segues nicely into the Ben Eager flash incident because... I know I'm probably in the minority here, but this is like a, oh, definitely a top 10 for me. Maybe even a top five because uh, this is like an er, a very early, not like Canucks Twitter thing, but just like this is one of the first moments that I remember being really huge on the internet when it happened and getting tons of interactions and the story getting shared all over Facebook and stuff and like just a critical mass of guys taking pictures of their TV on pause. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How do you feel about this one, Wyatt? I think like, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, I feel bad for the girl now. Like she lost her Me job. Too. Which is all. I'm like, yeah. just let her do it. Like who cares? Right. Like, I don't care. She got caught in the moment. Like 
let's not be scared of sexuality gives a shit like yeah mm-hmm. um but in terms of back then yeah you're right it was like there's a couple of moments here that were like very viral in that sense and uh, earlier for me was obviously i think dan cluche and the volleyball behind him was a big moment for me mm-hmm. in terms of like yes. seeing how the internet could take things all the way <laughs> yeah. and keep going with it yeah uh so this one definitely was yeah you said it perfectly like there were so many like weird blurred angles like people on like their tv their cat in the background their beer in their hand like holy shit <laughs> and like wanting that <laughs> And it was such a surreal run that that was a very kind of like rock star moment of like, like, again, what a crazy, had they won, there were so many moments on this list that would have been like upgraded from crazy to like epic, right? Like that would be like, remember that run, that crazy flash, it would have been so many fun moments. So yeah, it's definitely uh, on the list when you talk about 2011, that's one that stands out of like, just kind of a, a bit of a surreal moment of like what it was, the atmosphere around the team at the time. And us becoming famous as a team around just like on random media outlets. Uh, for something ridiculous also felt perfect like we were proud of it absolutely yeah um, okay, that's us moving on to uh the next matchup here which is jan bulis's piggyback versus eddie lacks thousand yard stare so to start off with uh the piggyback this was i think i remember like this sort of being the first time while watching a game even just as a young kid that I was just like, okay, I know you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, if you watch it, like, yeah, it's one of those weird things when you watch some of these old videos, like even Carolyn the Barbarian, like his goal was set up by Bulls doing an amazing pass to him. Yeah. Like there's, you yeah. watch some of these things where like, you're like, these guys are like, we trashed on Raymond and Bulls, but they were actually pretty skilled. Like they weren't bad players, but the bar was so high back then. Like, like again, Back in the day, our biggest problem was Tanner Glass in the fourth line. If Tanner Glass is on this team right now, like you'd be like the end of the world. They're like, oh my, this team's terrible. Look at Tanner. But back then, we kind of laughed about it. But you look at all these old teams, and they had a lot of skill. And and Bulis that play, I remember, you know, Bulis coming in, and there was kind of there was always that talk back in the especially in the Nona's era of like bringing these guys that might play with the Sedins and become forty goal scorers, like Jesse yes. Schultz. This guy might be a forty goal scorer, boys from the AHL. And everyone's like, what? Tommy Santella, great fourth line center. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> And Booth maybe didn't live up to the expectations, but on that play, I remember watching that and him like literally piggybacking a guy's back, didn't get a call and doing everything he could. It felt like he was trying to get a penalty. And he <laughs> yeah. was just like, what are you doing, Booth? Well, calm down. And the fact that this is kind of tied in into Daniel Wagner, like he's going to do the video for it because it's like his namesake. So I, I included it in for, for that, especially. Yeah, I uh, I remember that on the Brabarian goal that just like when we did the episode about it, I was certain that that had to be like the nicest play of Bullis's career. I was shocked because as, as you said, like you kind of remember, you remember these guys as probably being a lot worse than they, uh, than they actually were in the cold light of day. Like now I see, I see people having conversations about guys and think like, Oh yeah, this is probably the kind of stuff I was saying about like Mason Raymond or whoever back in the day. And that I would never say now, but um, yeah, that, uh, that the play on that Brabarian goal, going back and watching uh, the video for the episode we did, I was like absolutely shocked to get the, the just insane bullish cameo there. I mean, I'd, I'd kill for Yambulus on the current Canucks. Like, that's what it's come to, right? Like, this is going to be a great addition to this team. So the the Eddie Lack 1,000-yard stare, I'm not 100% sure if I remember this or know what it's referring to. Can you walk me through this one, Wyatt? Look, there's a bit of bias here because Eddie Lack is a friend of our show. Of, of course. Eddie's always been good to me my entire career. And also the fact that, like, we've got some former players who are going to do videos for this tournament, and it's no secret that Eddie Lack will be one of them. So getting Eddie to talk about this one's fun. Basically, he comes to center ice and Willie, Coach Willie was, was the coach at the time. 
Eddie goes like, there's a bit of a brouhaha. Johnny, Johnny Quick's taking some liberties. So, so Eddie goes to center ice, like, okay, I'm going to, I got, I got to stand up for my team. Yes. And apparently coach Willie just like tells Eddie, like, sit the F down, get back to your net. And <laughs> gets called off by coach Willie, which is the most willing thing of all time. I can't imagine like any of that happening. Like it, <laughs> that just everything about that sounds know, so right? <laughs> just foreign to me. Like, first of all, the idea that Eddie Lack is going to be like, well, it looks like I got to go fight Jonathan quick. And then Willie Desjardins wearing like just two things that I never would have thought ever would have happened. It has very much energy of like you're on your first day of your job and like something critical happens. You're like, ah, shit, I guess I got to go in and do this. <laughs> like you, go, you, you get sent to prison. You got to punch the biggest guy you can find just to show that you're on your top. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So and everybody can see like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Eddie, what, <laughs> what are you, are you trying to do? Eddie's lucky I, that he got called off. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember this, though, now that you mention it, because I I remember the gif. It was a it was an iconic gif of him skating up the center ice. So. That, that one makes sense. I know which one you're talking about now. Um, uh, the the next one here is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, BX punches Fedorov versus Rutu trips Fanuf, which is, this is such a oh. Canucks and Blackhawks 2011 first round matchup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to be honest with you. Um, I'll shout out Stefan Heck with regards to, it's not actually the one chronologically that I'm supposed to talk about, but I got to say it. Um, shout out to Stefan Heck, who has always been an evangelist for the Yarko Rutu tripping Dion Phaneuf clip. And uh, also we had a conversation once on Twitter about uh, how like every, pretty much every positive Canucks memory, like is followed immediately afterwards by a really sad Canucks memory, like, yep. you know, them losing basically. <laughs> but uh, we both agreed that uh, Rutu tripping Dion Phaneuf might be the, the one just like, pure moment of happiness that Canucks fans had <laughs> that has like no negative connotations. Cause like, I don't know what happened in the rest of that game, but it doesn't matter because uh, it, it gave us like one of the absolute best. Uh, I, I, I have probably watched that GIF 13,000 times okay. way more than any other GIF in my life and ever will. It, it really is like the Mount, the Mount Rushmore is uh, beach ball, this GIF and like, they're definitely both on there. Oh yeah, no, yeah. totally. I uh, I agree with that. The um, the I also will just never forget. I I don't remember the the name of the broadcaster or like which broadcaster it was, but him just cackling at the replay when they played it. Like I love just watching guys crack up. At, like I and I mean that was like just one of the funniest things to watch live. And I did watch it live as a kid when it happened, because like to just see the gloves come off and then just immediately like fall ass backwards, just one of the, the best images of all time. Just on roots here real quick. I remember like around the Colorado Vancouver, like the horrible rivalry in 2004 specifically uh, and all the sad stuff around that. But at least on two of those games, there was a hilarious amount of interaction between Rutsu and Peter Forsberg <laughs> and how much he got into Forsberg's head. Like, I've never seen Peter Forsberg so upset. And, like, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but I really want to do a Heritage Minute about that. Because, oh, like, ob obviously everything else got, like, pushed up uh, or, like, and pushed that, pushed that stuff down. But mm -hmm. the shit-eating grins, man, that was Rutsu at his best. 
I love Diarco Review. Yeah. Was, we, and we've already done the episode on BX Punching Fedorov. Yeah, so. totally. We don't need to talk yeah. about that that much. Yeah. That one is definitely like a uh, that's a contender for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely up there with like uh, Chubarov's car, which we'll talk about later in terms of like a uh, a classic urban legend that actually turned out to be completely true. Um, it's funny because like on a quick point, like ones that didn't make it, that was like the cluche. And like, did he kill someone with a Porsche one, which was too dark for this contest? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a long story. One, like, did Dan Cluche run over someone in a Porsche? I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's another really good one that like that that one didn't get its own episode, but it came up a lot in the Cluche episode. Like that's a moment that definitely is like one of the first things I think of when we talk about like the 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 Smilosphere at large or whatever, like the grander sort of Canucks social media presence or whatever. But yeah, it's 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 a real dark one. It's not maybe like the the best one for a lighthearted thing like this. I mean, it's okay because no one actually got hurt. That is true, yeah. But like, um, I'm trying to get four players out. I couldn't imagine like, hey, Dan, um, yeah, I don't want to yeah. talk about the goalie lane against Livestrom, but do you want to talk about how someone thought you killed someone with a Porsche? Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's so good. Hey, hey Dan, we, we need you to make a video for this thing. Do you want to talk about the vehicular homicide allegation or the most embarrassing moment of your career? <laughs> I'll give you the choice, Dan. It's your call, buddy. Uh, that's great. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> All right, so next up is uh, Fiddler's BXA impression, a favorite of mine, and the Louis Erickson own goal. Both um, a favorite of mine. Both good dark yeah. horses, honestly. Um, the Fiddler BXA impression is like anytime Elaine Vigneault laughs, um, <laughs> it's just my favorite thing. It's just one of those things. It's like it's like watching uh, someone play peekaboo with a baby. And you're just like, you know, you're just like, oh, look at look at how happy he is, you know. <laughs> yep. I, I I watched this game when it uh, when I remember it happening too. Like, uh, just it's also always fun when when you see broadcast guys uh, crack up a little bit. And obviously, um, I remember uh, <laughs> Shorty just being like, uh, oh, uh, Elaine, cheer up. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a classic one. And then the Louis own goal is just like perfect reaction image. Um, that was the game I went to. And I ooh. I went there with uh, my uncle who is uh, visiting from France. And he had he was so excited to finally go to his first hockey game. And the whole time we got up to both seats. I'm explaining to him all the rules, all the stuff about the Canucks. Uh, it's like October that year. I think it's the first year that Erickson, Goodbranson, Sutter are there. And when that goal happens, and for anybody who doesn't remember, uh, Canucks were a uh, uh, delay penalty call. Um, so the Canucks had a uh, uh, goalie left. Um, so six, six skaters, and uh, Louis Erickson scores on his own net. And Erica Branson is the one chasing the puck to see when crashes into that. Too slow to catch. It was it. really just a microcosm of like the next three years of Canucks. Yeah, it's a spoiler alert for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, it so, was Louis' first goal as a Canuck too, which yep. like yeah. And, and hey, empty net uh, score extraordinaire. Yeah. <laughs> you let us know. <laughs> hey, this is my specialty, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I also watched that one with somebody who like I went out to the bar to watch the game with a lot of people who don't necessarily like watch much hockey. And I remember just being like, there was that game was in danger of, if I remember correctly, I think Sutter ended up winning it in overtime. Yep. Yep. It was, yep. The, uh, it was a run of games at the start of the season where the Canucks were like three and O and had never led. 
Like they, they were yeah. just winning every game in overtime. Um, and I, right. I remember for through like 59 minutes, it was looking like that was going to hold up as the only goal of the game, which would have been so <laughs> funny. I'm kind of almost disappointed it didn't go down that way. Yeah, I definitely remember like we were going out to do something else after the game or like maybe during the game. And if that happens in the first period, we're like, yeah, we can just turn this off. <laughs> uh, so moving on from that, we've got Lyndon puts... Uh, Norton through the glass, which this is a uh, like an old classic, and um, Willie Mitchell's super long stick. So um, another, I I gotta say, like I'm impressed how many of these are incredibly solid, mm-hmm. given that you were you you found like 64 of them because, um, you know, the Linden hit is like something that I would think like my dad would. Mm-hmm. would bring up as a as a like classic Canucks moment. Yeah, there's there's a lot of old guys who be reading who be reading that matchup and like what the fuck are you talking about putting it up against <laughs> Mitchell's long stick? Is that a metaphor? What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I loved that though. That was like that was that really encapsulated to me like sort of the attitude of that Canucks team which was like they did like to have fun and they kind of like to screw with people. And they had a good sense of humor. And um, I mean, it's just, it's such a classic bit to, you know, have somebody, do you guys remember who it was that was giving him a hard time about having a quote unquote illegal stick? Was it Keenan at the time? Was Keenan still around? I thought it was Keenan, but I I could see it. Yeah. I just remember like, yeah, like for me, Willie Mitchell was such a big personality and I still wish the Canucks had found a way to keep him for the 2011 team. It would have been, Absolutely. I think, fantastic, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, the, the rift between him and Vigneault and then not believing his back injury led to that. But Mitchell oh. still had three, four years you know, left in him and he he was such a big part of that team. Um, so that, yeah, and when he went with LA, it was nice to see because he is such a good guy. And uh, yeah, just the, you brought it up. Just the fact that this is a team that like was having fun and they were going out mm-hmm. there and they were just kind of, you know, very a lot of personalities in that team, you know, and just kind of showing what they're about. And, you know, we can talk about later. Another one I could have made a list was milk hot dogs from BXL, like just all down the mm-hmm. line. There was a lot of personality throughout the years. And yeah, just to kind of rough, you know, represent that it was fun to like, again, what have we seen a player come out with like a, like 14 foot stick and warm up, right? <laughs> like, bizarre, but so much fun. I want to know, uh, I want the, I want to get an interview with like the guy who made that stick for him. <laughs> I want to know all about feet of stick. just like, yeah, like the process of like grafting two hockey sticks together just just for a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, the Linden and, and Norton, that's that's again, like the problem with the problem with choosing like moments that are too positive is it's just like, what do you say about them? You know, like it was cool. He broke the glass moment right like because everyone it's still gifts of it and people still kind of bring it up and it definitely is more for the older crowd uh, but I, I people bring up to me like what about robin bawa you put you know the glass i'm like yeah we had to choose one glass moment with linden so yeah, yeah it's it's yeah it was definitely thrown in there because if you talk about had there been social media back in the day that definitely would have been like one of the most gift moments of Absolutely. the week or month right for sure yeah yeah it, it it uh i never got to watch linden play in the 90s so for me it was a reminder that this 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 old legend playing on the team when i started watching in the early 2000s was like, oh, he was tough. Um, yeah. that, that was always, because that Jeff was everywhere on uh, Canucks forums that I was always on. And yeah, it was Mike Keenan. And okay. while we're telling the story, I totally forgot that it was the joke stick. I thought this was just the fact, because I knew he did actually have like... Oh, he also had like... The stick in stick. The, yeah, in the league. I, like... I totally forgot. Like, I think I maybe didn't watch that game uh, from the warm-up and that you got to look up the photo. It's so good. It's such a good You haven't seen it, yeah. yeah. Um, so next up, 
is uh, Matt Sundin sinks the Leafs versus the seventh man. So um, I I remember the Matt Sundin game uh, because I remember watching it with my dad and just thinking like, did Kyle Wellwood just purposely not score there to set up the perfect moment for uh, Sundin to uh, to score the winner in the shootout at, in his home, you know, against his former team? Uh, because like you could tell Vigneault was was setting him up for that moment, but it would have been so anticlimactic if like it didn't need to go get, go that far. It was uh, like I I love that moment because it is really kind of like trolling Leafs fans because you can imagine the reverse of like Linden became a Leaf. Ugh. And scored an overtime winner or like shoot winner against the Canucks. So it's always fun to refer to like Matt Sundin as like the Canucks legend. <laughs> like the oh, Canucks yeah. legend Matt Sundin. Because that was a, it was a weird season, right? They offered him like all the money in the world. 20, Matt's like, you yeah. know what? I'm just gonna take a one-year deal because two years is crazy. And he helped the Canucks out by only taking a one-year deal. <laughs> yeah. And he shows up and like his first shift, he has it was like a 10-second shift. He gets back to the bench, he's sweating buckets. He's like, Oh man. <laughs> like, but he was like he was still like by the end of the season he was a great player for the Canucks and it was a lot yeah. of fun. But I for me, forget like, that he was in the playoffs too. Yeah, he was, uh, and like he got the, against the Chicago, and he, he was that was probably Kessler's best line mate, right? Kessler didn't have a lot of good line mates in his career. Absolutely. That was one of them, right? Like I maintain that Kessler played the best hockey of his one hundred percent on the wing with Matt Sundin, like because he, you know, like Kessler. Ke- even now, like Kessler and Bo got compared a lot when Bo was first drafted, but like, I feel like you can actually say now that like there are, there are a lot of similarities in terms of play style and stuff. Obviously Kessler is more of a, you know, shit disturber or whatever, but um, much kind of in the same way that I feel about Bo, like two guys who were great centers for sure. And had certain skills, like especially particularly like on the face off that kind of make you a, a, a shoe in to be like a centerman at the NHL level, but also two guys that like are, were such shooters that um, I was kind of almost always sort of disappointed that they didn't get to play with better distributors. And so um, in Kessler's case, like I'm almost disappointed that Sundin didn't come back for that second year, just because I thought that uh, that was some of the, that line with him and Pavel Dimitra was probably like some of the best secondary scoring the Canucks got over the course of their entire uh, run there with that core. I think, yeah, Kessler's best li- other line mates, like, well, the, the other two lines I remember him were the Amex line, Infamous Higgins and Booth line. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. And then Raymond and Grabner for like two months was also fantastic. And that was about it in terms of like his highest like output. But that's another, another one that could be on this list could have been like the infamous story of like Kessler working on a shot for the summer and coming back and becoming a 40 goal scorer. Cause like oh, yeah. in his rookie year, like he didn't have a great shot and he kept missing the net. And all of a sudden, oh, he's been working at his, his, his cabin. He's been shooting the puck a lot. And then boom, 40 goal scorer. Like it was, yeah, another, another uh, urban legend for sure. Um, and then the seventh man, I got to get you guys to fill me in on this one, because this is one that like, I hear people mention on Twitter a lot and I just completely do not remember it. So there, there was a time, uh, Victor DeBonis, I believe the name was, um, they wanted to, you know, keep advertising the team and kind of make it bigger and bigger because were on the rise. And they wanted to introduce a new concept of like, hey, guys, like we've got this new great advertising thing because uh, like Seattle's got the 13th man. We're going to have the seventh man because, you know, really, you guys are like such a big part of this team. So we're going to raise a banner to the roof that says seven on it. 
and have Cliff Rodding show up, whose number was seven, <laughs> to tell like <laughs> we're gonna like, oh it's okay. God. Rodding said it was okay, basically, <laughs> and we're gonna lift the seven to the rafters because that's what you guys. So there was a banner that said seven in the in the rafters, and in terms of just embarrassing advertising campaigns, oh. this was definitely probably the top one. Like we all have like you know, competing in our nature was pretty bad, but imagine raising a banner for the fans in which no one ever said before like we're the seventh man. That wasn't a thing. But like, no, no, this is this is a thing now. Fetch is going to happen. There's our <laughs> banner. And it was it was a bit embarrassing. Yeah, they really, really wanted to piggyback on the growing uh, just global popularity of the Seahawks. They're yep. like yeah. this gigantic yeah. sports team just south of us that, uh, I mean, fucking half Canucks Twitter. Their bios are Canucks, Seahawks, Raptors, yes. right? Um, so I think why not try to get in on it? But that was really embarrassing, uh, especially for a team that, Already has an embarrassing amount of banners that are probably <laughs> yeah. undeserved up in the rafters. Yeah. Like, this is not your opinion from two weeks ago, dude. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I, say, I will say, though, I think I my one thing is I think it's fine to hang a banner for the president's trophy. I think that's fine. That is that's oh, yeah, accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no problem yeah. with that. I yeah. mean, even 2012 was like the worst president's trophy's winners ever. It's still fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, and rounding out this region, uh, the Smeal division, we have. Uh, the stanchion goal and stature scoring for his dad, which are two moments that don't really need uh, much discussing. Obviously, both, uh, you know, in their own way, kind of sweet, uh, tender moments with uh, with positive connotations. So. But you know what I do for, for people who 20, 2011 was 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. There's got to be yeah. a decent amount of our listeners who don't actually know the full story about what happened with the stanchion. And so... What better way to get Wyatt to explain what happened and or what the namesake maybe, is? Or maybe just get, yeah, I mean, it is it is the moment that gave you your namesake on uh, on Twitter and formerly as an author at Canucks Army as well, if it's I true. remember correctly. It's true. It's very true. I wrote for Nux Misconduct and Canucks Army. <laughs> Under the stanchion, yeah. I used to do the morning links for Nux Misconduct, which is the most, like, not demeaning job, but most, like, base-level <laughs> job you can have of, like, yeah. here's a bunch of articles other people wrote. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I mean, what do you have to say about the uh, the stature goal, Wyatt? Uh, first off, I hope I lose to stature because that was such a heart, you know, warming moment. I hope Troy yeah. wins that one. Fair. Uh, and the stature goal, yeah, like that was that. Di- it's weird that you know, I've worked really hard to get where I am, but there was also a lot of luck involved. Like I took advantage of that moment because like Edler comes in, hits the puck off the stanchion, it bounces to the middle. I was at that game live, and I remember people stopping to skate. So they were stopped skating. I'm like, what's going on? The puck's right there, and Bexa sees it, knuckle pucks at home, and they start celebrating. I'm like, what? What am I missing? Because I saw it like the extra reactive people stopped skating. I didn't know what was happening. We were all kind of like celebrating the stands and like looking over our shoulders. Like, is this good? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm hugging a guy. Like, is this? I'm like, should we be hugging right now? Like, what's <laughs> happening here? And the best it, part about that, sorry, but the best part about this clip is that if you actually look at it, there's someone scratching their head looking for the puck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you see it like I think in the clip, it's I think it's Patrick Marlowe last second realizes, wait a minute, and points at Bexa like someone should cover that guy. And it's too late. <laughs> and it's glorious. And then Bexa puts it in and they celebrate. I remember I think I heard a story that's the only time Hendrickson has ever sworn was when the confetti was coming down. Cause <laughs> yeah. like we can't skate on this if we gotta keep playing. Like, what the fuck's with this con- confetti? <laughs> the only time he sworn was about confetti. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, just like a weird goal, right? A lot of fun. And like I obviously jumped in that and it turned into a career sort. So I have a lot of a connection to it. But just, even just as a moment like there's 94 and 2011 both have moments where you're like it's destiny right like mm-hmm. in, in 2011 like they they win in seven games they win in six games win in five games clearly they win in four games after they go up two nothing against boston <laughs> <That's not laughs> so yeah, yeah that's one of those moments where it felt like hey we're finally getting the bounces and i'm glad that at least there's one moment out there 
that another fan base sits there and just just fucking hates the Sharks. Like <laughs> yeah. that could have been our year. <laughs> yeah, they were, totally. they were going on strong. Kessler hurts himself in that game. Sharks were a good team. If Kessler like they lose that game, remember they tied the game up last second. Kessler with a broken body. If Sharks come back, they could win that series. Who knows? They, you never know what could happen. So it's, it's it's fun that like for once that heartbreaking moments on another team. Yeah, and those Sharks teams were. I would say like everybody as good as those Canucks team era teams and, for longer and even more yeah. uh, unlucky, like even more underrepresented in late round uh, playoff matchups and stuff. Mm-hmm. So moving on into the Naslin division, we have Sedin isn't Swedish for versus <laughs> Bieksa punts a helmet. So Wyatt, can you, I remember this, uh, this was Brian Burke, the Sedin isn't Swedish for, but can you uh, walk us through that? Yeah, it's, it's a, one of those moments that kind of Brian Burke was a very big personality, obviously still is. Um, and back then, you know, he had a lot of sayings he was famous for. We we debated the all it takes is a quarter to sell this team uh, yeah. or I'll drive him to the airport if Trent Clatt wants to go. All that stuff. Like, that was the one bites. that I would have yeah, included <laughs> yeah. as an honorable mention, probably the drive him to the airport comment. That could have made it for sure. We only wanted one Burkeism, though, so we went with sure. this one in which he, you know, scenes were getting roughed up and so he, he went to bat for his team and and took a lot of the heat on himself instead of his team. So it was, it was a good Burke moment because it did kind of like deflect everything onto him. So, but it definitely was uh, representative of, of how Burke uh, had a lot of bluster to his game. Yeah, it was uh, what what was what was the comment uh, again? It was Sedin isn't Swedish for put me in a headlock. Believe that was it, yeah. Like yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah. Uh, and then BXA punting a helmet is one that I forgot about, but that was me too. I watched that game and that was really funny. <laughs> I remember laughing about it at the time. Um, just another classic, you know, a good would make a good gif. Um, what happened there? Yes, we got to have like half of the, the categories in here. He was just such a character. Um, yeah, basically, I can't remember who he was fighting with offhand, but like he basically had like a helmet that he grabbed. And then literally like drop kicked it down the ice and just like looked at the guy like, what are you going to do? You should move, go right? get your helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah great. BXA, I, like they, there could be a 64 BXA bracket in here. Um, but just the other day I had some, uh, I was watching a game with uh, my Oilers friend and him and my roommate were talking about like, oh yeah, we hate BXA, right? Like, I think like they're trying to remember why they hated BXA. And I try, and I basically won them back over by showing them the BXA Cassian math equation video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Which is one, one of my like... favorite things ever. Uh, Burray's first game versus Vignon laughs about Wellwood. These are two good uh, sort of deeper cuts. The first Burray game is definitely one of those like urban legends that I hear about from uh, the sort of Donnie and Moj demographic mm-hmm. um, about it. Be- because that game wasn't televised, right? I don't believe it was. Like, like I actually got Jeff Patterson to talk about this because he was there at the game. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, and just like the buzz of watching. Like, Burray didn't even score, but just like watching. Yeah. Like, this kind of team, you have to remember, like they never had really a superstar. They had some guy like Tony Tonte and they had some people that were like good, but like Burray was another level. And if you even just look at the fact how they drafted Burray and all the shenanigans that went around <laughs> that, it was like that would under John Ziegler, whatever it was, I believe it was like that never would have happened in today's NHL. Like, it's crazy to think that they basically had Larry and I like, no, I, I believe he played a like a, an exhibition game. So that counts. So you can draft him. And like Detroit was lined up to draft him. So the fact that Canucks actually got something to go their way was bizarre as it was. And then yeah. have this kid come on and basically play like someone you'd never seen before. Cause he had like, I'll always go to bat. Sam McGillian is the most skilled Canuck and any player I've talked to agrees with that. But for sure. excitement levels, it was Beret. 
Yeah. Like I could just do stuff you've never seen before. Just like the speed. You can do it kind of like uh, Nate McKinnon and, and Conor McDavid, mm-hmm. the stuff they can do with that speed. You're like, holy crap. But imagine back then when players were smoking in intermissions and drinking beer, you've <laughs> yeah. got this Uber soldier Bray where you're like, you're like, is he on steroids? I don't care. And he was flying <laughs> down the ice scoring goals at will. And in that first game, he just kind of went end to end like three times in score. You were kind of like, the Canucks, they'd been such like, you know, just the, the lovable losers for so long. And it mm-hmm. kind of felt like you've got Linden there now. You've got this Burry kid. It was the first time you kind of felt like maybe they can make a run to the finals and not be that 82 team that's as lucky to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, for- I was going to say, like, the whole, like, Burry's first game, oh, but he didn't score, is, at first seems so pathetic to me. Like, how are you guys venerating this moment? But also, <laughs> that almost makes it more of a truly tr- truly Canucks thing that like <laughs> from the bracket. this is this awesome moment the superstar came and he didn't even score our expectations are that low he almost scored and it was fan that's like Jim Benning at the deadline if he gets even one draft pick what a deadline he got a draft pick <laughs> when, when, Petter, when Pedersen scored in his first game uh, that felt like it wasn't the right thing to happen like, oh yeah like this is against... what's he doing <laughs> yeah the uh, the yeah. one thing that I just remember people who were at that game that I know saying about it is just that like fans were you know all, all out of their seats every time the guy had the puck and I, I totally I totally get that because obviously like I'm just a little I'm a little bit too young to have watched Bure play on his prime I, I watched him play but not just not really for the Canucks I was just a little bit too young but going back and watching highlights from his sort of peak like it's like watching like a Connor McDavid level talent or like, like particularly the speed yeah. or that era is just so it's, it's, it's downright anachronistic actually. Like how out I was going to say, it feels like if you put a, like a modern NHL or back in yes. the eighties or something. Yeah. Like I, I love mm. McGillney, but he's also like kind of more of a sitting cerebral player, like a very smart guy defensively. And he won't, yeah. again, he was the king of five hole goals, but he wasn't going to light the world on fire in terms of excitement, but Bray did. And another thing I think plays into this is the Pacific Coliseum was where Bray played most of his games. And that was a different viewing arena. Like you could see the action when you were getting your beers in the concourse. Like it was an open arena. Like mm-hmm. you could be walking and you mm-hmm. can still be watching Bray while in line. Oh, and I it felt that. very like you were there at all times. There's a gym place, like a Roger, sorry, Roger Arena. <laughs> like it's terrible. Like you're so removed from the action. You got to wait in line. Yeah. Like the Prince Hall yeah. was still one of my favorite places because you could look at, over your shoulder and there's Beret going end to end. That's getting so beer. cool. Yeah, that is so cool to imagine. Wow. Um, the uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the uh, Vigneault laughing about Wellwood because honestly, I think I'm just going to drop the clip in here because it's one of my favorite clips of all time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Were you encouraged by the, the play of the third line the other night to Wellwood, uh, Bernier, and um, Dimitri? It seemed like Wellwood uh, was a bit of a man possessed as, as much as we've seen him anyway. <laughs> well, knocking guys off the puck. I, how many, how many body be checks have you seen? Yeah, no, no. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, I do agree with you that I thought that that was one of their better games, I think. <laughs> Sorry. As much as you can see. I, I, think, <laughs> I think one of the reasons is because uh, Demetrius sort of finding a stride a little bit. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> see you guys today. <laughs> Just, oh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, Wellwood. Uh, I love Wellwood too. Like, probably, honestly, I like my, not my, you know, my ironic pick for uh, favorite Canuck of all time. Certainly, like, my favorite role player Canuck of all time. He's underappreciated because, like, I, I think Wellwood, like, he just, 
Again, if you watch the games he played with Steve Bernie, Bernie is one of the dumbest players I've seen play the game. Like this <laughs> yeah. is a guy that in juniors was a big guy. And when you're a big guy, like you look better. Like Jake for 10 and could truck people in junior. He looked <laughs> yeah. better. And Steve Bernie just had no idea how to think the game on Wellwood's level. And Wellwood like feed him for a tap in and Bernie's going for a line change. And you're like, oh, come on. Like help Kyle out a bit. The thing that I always remember about Kyle Wellwood is uh, I think it was when I was at Van Hack and Daniel Wagner gave a talk about uh, sort of like the history of advanced stats. And he talked about Wellwood a lot because like he was mm. one of the earliest uh, players to get caught in the crossfire of the stats wars. Um, and uh, while he was talking about it, Micah, who's been a guest on the show, uh, Micah Blake McCurry, McCurdy um, just pulled up like, one of his graphs that one of the easy to understand ones where like red is good, blue is, or red is bad and blue is good or whatever. And it was just like the most, the starkest, like all the shots happening in the offensive zone while Wellwood is on the ice and like no shots happening in the defensive zone. Like just um, one of the, one of the early like Corsi gods. I, I, my favorite, yeah, we had like a Mount Rushmore of like early people. I remember being Corsi gods. Wellwood is one of them, but also, the guy that brought up, got it brought up like every offseason for the Steens was Matthias Weinhandel. Was like, this is the guy that's got the greatest underlying stats you've ever seen. Oh, and he never so made it here. Oh, that's really funny. Oh, I also wanted to add to um, the, my, when we were talking about the uh, Burray's first game, my like uh, mirror image for that one is uh, the tram, the Tramkin shift. I don't know. I don't think that one made the cut, but like, that's another great, uh, a great one of just like, you know, I was there for that game sitting behind Stefan Hack. Yeah, just uh, people being so excited about a guy like just accidentally getting on the ice (laughs) and and skating around for three seconds and then getting back on the bench. Um, That is probably the the peak of like a much ado about nothing moment in Canucks history. But um, moving on from that, uh, Tiger Williams rides a stick versus Gretzky almost signs. Um, I think we can, I don't think we have to spend too much time on either of these. The rides a stick moment definitely like a a a good um bone to throw for the olds and uh we spent a lot of time talking about the gretzky almost signing in the yerky episode so i don't think we have to retread that i will say sorry for the gretzky thing really quickly Mm -hmm. that we have jay swing's gonna tell a story about that where he was like in the hospital or something and pat quinn was in the hospital at the same time for treatment and they had a story all like they talked about the gretzky thing and pat quinn was like i almost had him (laughs) wow yeah it's a a great story and i hope he tells it for it yeah i look forward to that then i was gonna say about the tiger williams thing uh, I'm I'm sad that it's not in the EA NHL series anymore. It used to be for a bit as a celebration. Yeah, I don't think oh, it is one. Yeah, they should bring it back. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I agree. They should bring that back. Um, so next up is Lafayette's post, which is a absolute classic. Uh, versus you're fucked. That was fucked. Holy fuck! Can somebody? I I know this quote, but can somebody jog my memory what that what that was? Yeah, that was that was Elias Pettersson yes. making. I don't know if he was like on his ground or he made a pass to Besser that was out of this world in which Pettersson yes. got Besser got the nice goal and like I, I've never seen such a more like real reaction. Besser when you talk to him in the room after the game, he looks like the saddest man on the earth. Like he's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we won eight nothing. Um, you know, trying to do our best out there. Like you don't want to talk to him. There's certain people you just don't want to talk to after the games. He was one of them. Only Patrick Johnson. He's like the Besser whisperer. He found a way to like get him to open up and like, <laughs> God bless you, Pat. You could do it. Uh, uh, so yeah, like for have Besser on the ice just to see like real moments like that was was just a ton of fun for me. It felt a lot like when when PD came in, 
Besser, I don't know, like the team that he's playing on, he is he knows he probably has to wait a few years before he has anything to be excited for. And this guy just shows up and dishes out passes like this. Yeah. Like that's how yeah. I respond to. Like he's so happy in this. In he, this he was video like a fan at that point. Yeah. He's like one of us, like in the fans. Yeah. Stands, like, well, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. So far, yeah. too. That's that's my favorite Pedersen play of all time. I think that that fucking pass was just unbelievable. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, the Nathan Lafayette post. I mean, that's that's one that could go all the way in terms of like if, if we were doing this with a more accurate cross section of Canucks fans with um, more older guys like that's kind of one of the quintessential like one that got away sort of moments. So I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. Yeah, I do want to say that for Lafayette. It's so unfortunate because the game before in game six. He makes his incredible pass to Jeff Cornell to seal the game away. And like, that's, that's forgotten. That doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't exist mm-hmm. for him as opposed to, and like people forget like that. He was a skilled guy. Like there were people like he's a mini Bray because he could score some nice goals. Sure. But unfortunately it's just that damn post that is going to be remembered for. And you know, that's the way sports works. You saw it with Boston Red Sox. Like, again, yeah. I think everyone's waiting for a cup win. They can be like, Hey Nathan, it's all good now, which is yeah, sad. Totally. <laughs> it is sad, especially because um, as we talked about with Yerky, like if, if, if I could ask Nathan Lafayette, one question it's how do you feel about having to be the post guy instead of martin jelena <laughs> like Ooh. the fact that there's an the fact that you out of sheer like bad luck end up being the one who hits the post closest to the end of the game when like jelena could have gone down as the post guy you know that uh that's why that jelena hugged him extra hard after the game thank you Aww. yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um uh, so our next one, this is, these are two iconic moments here uh, for various reasons. Uh, Aaron Rome hit in suspension, which will definitely be something that we discuss at length uh, this June for the uh, 2011 10 year anniversary versus uh, Chris Levesque almost plays, which is a moment that's definitely going to get covered on the Patreon at some point. Wyatt, did you manage to talk to Chris Levesque? I got Kevin Woodley uh, to talk about it because he's the goalie whisperer and I'm trying to get... Anyone involved in these lists, I'm trying to get the actual player involved. And I, I don't know how many I'll get. I've got a couple already, but I'm trying to get more involved. Um, so I do definitely want to get them to talk about that. would be great to talk. What's Chris Levesque doing right now? I'm sure, wouldn't he be happy? I would talk about it. I look, So, okay, I, lo- I looked him up. I'll, I'll give you this. Um, yep. He opened up a goalie school in Alberta, I think in Lethbridge. Okay. Uh, okay. And there is a phone number there. Okay, I'm going to uh, track him down. After the yeah. show, I'm gonna, I am gonna. I need to find him because I think getting yeah. him to talk about it, Willie talked about it. Uh, it was funny because, again, and Willie will talk about it in the segment, Like, and I didn't even remember, I didn't remember this, that Hedberg actually broke his arm in that collision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but he's yeah. Like, yes, but he's like, no, no, yeah. I got to stay in because I don't think Levesque wants to deal with his heat. <laughs> That's why. The only thing I'll complain to you, man, about this is that Johan Hedberg isn't technically the main person in any of these, as far as I know. He, he was one of my favorite, uh, just not because he was great. I just loved his personality. I loved how ridiculous he played. He thought he was Hashik. He was not Hashik. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the Moose loved him, right? He comes up like he's got a, like, a huge fan base building him up when he's coming up with his system. He's like, I'm the greatest goalie of all time. And like Pittsburgh <laughs> fans love me. Look at me go. He would, yeah. he would just, the thing about you, like you're right, Vyas, like he did play like Hashik in terms of like, style he wasn't hashik because i think he posted like a career like 890 something in the nhl but like he would have games where he was just unbeatable and i remember 
early in his career, him like having a couple games like that and being there, he being him being sort of a, a guy that they talked about as a possible like goalie of the future. And of course, it never went anywhere. But oh. uh, well, the thing yeah. about Hedberg, I want to get into is like this. You had to remember, again, there's so much like layers to all this. Absolutely. No, that's <laughs> that's why I was so excited to have yeah. you on to talk about it. <laughs> and I, I, I realized going through this, like I know too much about this shit. Uh, Mark <laughs> yeah. Crawford at the time, he, he fucking loved. Dan Cluche loved that boy. He he hated Adrian Coyne, gets a coin kicked out of town, brings in his boy Cluche. I don't know if that's why he was pot committed or not, but he loved Cluche. He wrote him all the way to the end. Hedberg comes in and has like, you know, one bad game, and all of a sudden Crawford in the press, like, he was terrible today. Just fucking terrible. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? Like, that worse. He's throwing Hedberg out of the bus. And like that helped kind of create like the fan appreciate because there was a lot of people who didn't like Cluche in the fans because he was, you know, for me. He was a below average goalie. Drance will tell you he was an above average goalie, whatever Drance. Uh, for me, he was below <laughs> average. And so you've got these guys like, why don't you give other goalies a chance? And there was one game where Hedberg was playing. I think, I think it was against St. Louis. Canucks are up. They have a shutout going. And then the St. Louis Blues get a penalty shot with like, I think, five seconds left. And it's Pavel Dimitra, rest in peace, Pavel, coming in. Oh, yeah. And Hedberg makes his great glove save. And the crowd loses their shit. And there was a lot of fan. Any, any backup goalie gets a lot of love. But like, it was almost more because it was like, a lot of people were like, Let's see what else is out there besides Dan Cluche, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And again, I was bring the point that like Dan Cluche, like you know, he's got a lot of thirty goal, thirty wins for this team. They brought in Alex fucking all, and he got thirty wins with that team. Yeah, yeah. anybody like, could with yeah, that. That offense. was a good yeah. fucking team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, a real really quickly. Do you remember the radio song about Johan Hedberg? I, you know what? I don't fill me in. Holy Lord, you got me. Yeah, we've we've been. I've been. I've been on me and Jackson. And we're like the on only the two people that that remember this. But there was a. If you remember, like on Rock One Hundred One, they used to do something called Twisted Tunes. It was yes. a bro Jake thing, from what yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and occasionally, like there was the Luongo song to the tune of uh, Lola by Lola. Hanks. Like there were a few of these, but there was some. The Bertuzzi I, ones that stick with me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, heavy Eric. Heavy yeah. Eric did some some um, there, but there was a song about Johan Hedberg and all I can remember from it. I've said, I say this on the show all the time, but the only line I can remember from it is uh, even the coach will take a shot at you when you're Johan Hedberg. Oh, that's true. Um, that's true. And uh, it's, it was, it was iconic. And yeah, like I, I, I just, we mentioned it on the show every once in a while, just to be like, please, if you're out there and you're hearing this and you can track this song down for us, please do. I remember Dan Russell's big thing was because he, he, you know, went against the Canucks for a long time at oh, one yeah. point. Uh, Tom Rennie, and he would play ground control to Major Tom all the time, <laughs> making fun of him. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so awesome. up next, oh, and uh, obviously there's the, the Aaron Rome hit and suspension. Well, that's going to get like its own episode. So we, we yeah, we, yeah. I don't know if it was in the recording part of this, but right when Wyatt came on, uh, we were talking about how later on Mitchell Taves hit. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's one of the other entries on here. And comparing that to the Aaron Rome hit, like I think that will be the basis of an Aaron Rome episode, uh, because that one looked worse. Yeah, there were so many worse. Again, I've never ever in my entire life heard anyone from the NHL go, "It was two frames per second too late." Who's using FPS to decide the fucking <laughs> suspension? What does it ever happen? That's great. Um, so next up, we've got two two favorites of mine: uh, the Eddie Lack Heritage Classic start versus uh gillis's solidarity goatee which i just have to say solidarity forever um (laughs) i uh yeah i love both of these because they're they're both really from like they're both from the season that i really got into like canucks 
uh, Reddit and Canucks Twitter and all of that. So I remember both of these going around, uh, like a lot of memes going around at the time. And it was a lot of fun too. It was that year was surprisingly fun to be a Canucks fan. Um, just in the sense that like, I think now that the team has been so boring for such a long time, it's like, well, yeah, that team was bad, but at least it was like, a, a, at least a total, it was fun. Yeah. At least it was a total yeah. like gong show off the ice, you know? Yeah, you bring up the Triamkin kind of stuff. Like people don't forget like, when people talk about like Drance is like, hey, it's the season so boring. Other people like it's a really boring season. It is not that exciting, but the year Triamkin played for the Canucks was one of the worst seasons I've ever yeah. watched this team play. Like I literally was like writing about Triamkin every game because it's like that was <laughs> exciting that he made a stretch pass. That's all there was, right? Like there yeah. were far worse times with teams in the city. It's yeah. Wh- right. When you guys brought up the beret thing about how everybody would stand up and get so excited about him, like that's how I felt about Triamkin. Yeah, yeah. Mostly because oh, I had passed. nothing else. To he do. threw a hit. <laughs> He tossed Jordy Ben around, Jamie Ben around. We're like, oh, that's exciting. I, I was at the Lack Heritage game. That was horrible. There's so many bad parts to it, obviously. People don't talk too much about the injuries that happened in that game. Uh, I think Daniel got injured. Kessler got injured. Like, they yeah. had to leave the game. Yeah. Um, also, like, there was a shit show about how the game was presented. I mean, it was a rainy day and the fake snow inside it just looked horrible. The tickets were god awfully expensive. And also, so the other team was the Ottawa Senators. Their heritage jerseys clashed really badly with the Millionaires jerseys. You could not tell who was on the ice That's or who was who. Yeah. yeah. My favorite part is that I think Tom Cicito still has the Millionaires shot of him walking down under the ice as his fucking header picture on Twitter. Hey, <laughs> That's his, yeah. like, of his life. <laughs> I love one thing that I absolutely love about because we we just did an episode on Tom Cicito for uh, for the Patreon this month and like. Thomas Sestino is a, a total fucking goofball, but like one thing that I absolutely love about Tom Sestino is the way that he's just like, no, John Tortorella, like 2014, best year of my career. <laughs> and it's just like a season that's just synonymous with like the the decline of the Vancouver Canucks. And well, he, he like, thought like he bought into the whole like top six Cito thing. He actually thought he was a top six guys. And apparently like I at the time was like having fun with it and I supported him. Mm-hmm. Not fully in jest, but kind of having fun with it like I do. And he blocked me on Twitter. I had to talk to Luongo to get him to unblock me. I'm like, I wasn't actually going after him, bro. He's like, I'll talk to him. Uh, uh, that's funny. That's so funny. Real, real um, quick, real yeah. quick about that though is uh are you gonna have that Eddie to talk about that one? And do you of have course. Any... anything that involves Eddie even like adjacent to him, he'll be on this talking about. Yeah, it. I'm that's excited great. for that one. I'd like to hear what he felt about that. Yeah. All right. So next up we've got uh the shift, the Sidian's shift. And uh, John Purdy scores goal, which I got to ask you about this one because I'm not sure I remember this. Uh, yeah, that's one of the older ones, but it is like it's one of those ones I wanted to include just because if it happened now, it would have been super iconic. Basically, sure. a dude jumps in the ice. Everyone stops playing and he takes the puck and skates down to the middle of the ice and scores a goal, which oh, like that, that's yes. fucking amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Look at the footage. We'll have Whoa. the footage in our videos, but like everyone kind of stops <laughs> oh playing and he skates down, can barely skate and then puts it five hole and starts celebrating. <laughs> that fucking rocks. That's yeah. This awesome. Guy. Yeah. Cause there's another one too, where in the seventies were like three streakers jumped in the ice, but the footage is so bad. I didn't include, I wanted something kind of fun from the past, but a guy going on the ice and scoring a goal, going to that one. That could, that could only happen in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Very so um, and then the shift is like that's a once again like this is where you start to get into like almost too maybe too classic for yes uh, it almost didn't make it because it was too big because it was like it's, yeah it's a good one though it's an it's a I, it's an I, I remember I think it was in grade nine uh, I came to school the next day I had info attack in the morning in the computer lab <laughs> and me and my buddy are so excited about it and 
the girl sitting next to or <laughs> the poor girl sitting between us who is not a hockey fan she's like what's so special about it and we were like the Sedines had the puck for two minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> well people forget too that like in the chicago game seven in 2011 like there was a shift that was almost two minutes from like just like Higgins and Hanson and people, and it was also almost mm-hmm. exciting, but they didn't score. But like, yeah, there were some good shifts from these t- from these teams, man. But that Sedin shift, we wanted something that kind of represented the Sedins, and I think we almost had on the list the Sedins' um, farewell goal, which is again almost is like that's too big, oh, right? Everyone, yeah, like, yeah. That was, you couldn't Canucks don't get good things, and that was the perfect send off for the Sedins, right? I will I will say it. I don't know if I've ever actually said this on the show, but that's my favorite Canucks moment of all time because it's the one moment that like we got, you yep. know. It yeah, worked out perfectly. One, you can't take that away from from, from Daniel from, from Henrik and Edler and like Richardson's on the ice for it. Yeah. And it's that like twenty two or like two thirty three of thirty three yeah. or whatever bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Lot, like I I spent so much money to to go to that game. I went alone. Uh, and I cried so much of that that game. Yeah. Unless the Canucks win the cup, that is the greatest uh, Canucks yeah, moment. Exactly. Crowd reaction. Well, like, you have to remember this is years of like shitty Canuck teams, but like that crowd reaction would match anything from 2011. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. and the fact that they brought Holiday back. Oh, for, uh, that, Jay Swing oh. credit to Jay Swing for doing everything he could to bring back Holiday. Pedersen's first goal was scored. Jay Swing got Holiday played for that before he was that taken rocks. out. That's <laughs> yeah. He should still be the DJ, but Justice for <laughs> <Jay Swing. laughs> um. So moving and then uh, our last matchup in the Naslin division two just iconic ones, in my opinion, anyways, uh, the Tortorella line brawl, which I'm just going to say right now, uh, this is my pick to go all the way. This is my number one Canucks memeable moment. This was in a game in like a season where the product on the ice was not particularly entertaining this was maybe like the most glued to my TV I've ever been for an intermission. Yes. Like, <laughs> Absolutely the best TV that the Canucks have ever produced. Also, it, the best sorry, reality that. TV, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was I was at an ECCW indie wrestling show. And I remember getting texts being like, oh, you, you're missing the Canucks. It's crazy. Like a line brawl is like, Troy is attacking the dress room. Like, oh, very funny. You know, they don't matter a wrestling show. They're having fun. But no, like there was more wrestling action in the hockey game that night than it was at the wrestling <laughs> show. I'm like, what is happening? And the fact that, that it was Troy, like Troy when he doesn't want to do a job anymore, is very clear. He just, he just likes, he didn't want to be there in Vancouver. He mailed it in. He didn't care. Yeah. But he wasn't wrong when he was like, hey man, like this team kind of sucks. We need to make some changes. Dude, he was completely right. Yeah, yeah. 100% yeah. right. But then he's like, I'm going to put Kellen Lane out there for the opening draw yeah. on a bro- <laughs> like he had to apologize like hey sorry for your first NHL game that i threw you out there or like when it was clear that i just wanted to like get revenge on hartley like what a yeah. bizarre circumstance totally totally bizarre and then the the uh the ryan i'm glad ryan miller was able to make I, it onto this i love this moment so much uh this is what cemented oh, ryan miller yes. is like a good signing for me yeah totally this goes to the layers again i'm really and i'm t- sorry to be that boring guy again but you remember no, no. ryan miller comes in <laughs> this is a team that had Roberto Luongo love affair, Corey Shire love affair, back to Roberto Luongo love affair, back to Eddie Lack love affair, and then Ryan Miller, the outsider, stepdad, Ryan comes in. Who the fuck is this yeah, guy? Yeah. Like, Eddie Lack was the next guy. He was supposed to be the thing, and it was supposed to be Marksman and Eddie, and then Ryan comes in. And all we knew kind of knew of him was, like, he called, like, Milan Lucia's a piece of shit, and like, that was kind of cool. But, like, yeah. we thought we'd heard that he was, like, kind of cantankerous of the media and stuff. But, no, he was just a real guy. He just told you like it was. And for him to come in there sees Troy Stetcher getting beat up, comes in and protects his boy. Like Ryan Miller is one of those guys that came in on some of the worst circumstances in terms of trying to win over a fan base. And by the end of it, like just did his job so well and completely won them over. Like this moment, if anything is underrated. No, I, completely. I like, I, I'm sad. This is up against Torch line brawl. Yes, that's true. 
Just like all of 165 pounds of Ryan Miller going up against Matt Martin to defend Troy Stetcher. Yeah. Like, how do you not love that? Second, Such a great one. moment. I realized why I probably didn't watch this game. It was like the day after like the Trump election. <laughs> I was really bummed out. <laughs> I was really bummed out. And, like other stuff was happening. And I was like, I'm not going to watch a Canucks game right That's now. That's why Miller was in such a fucking shitty mood. <laughs> <laughs> It shouldn't be happening in the world. Yeah, um, I was going to say, though, that's that's second only to um, the Yarko Rutu trip as uh, in terms of like moments that are up against tough competition. Real quick, like, so we're, we're, we're done on the whole left side then, right? Yeah, we're halfway through onto the third, um, the third division now, the Linden division. Okay, you, you guys can tell me to shut up or mm-hmm. like this is a bad idea, but no, like, okay. what if we have Wyatt on another time to go through the second half of this? Oh, yeah, what, if you want me to. At what you, time are we through here? Uh, let me. Is there a way for me to see how long we've been recording for? Let's see. We've been recording for an hour and 50. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Really? We've really <laughs> yeah. been going that long? Okay. Well, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, this, is, this has been great stuff. Put me on the and Patreon, boys. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. And um, no, this has, been, this has been a lot of fun. But as uh, Vyas has pointed out to me, um, we have been going a long time on this because it's just so dense. It's it's a full dense and fun. Well, a lot of history. <laughs> I'm so impressed yeah. that you were able to do 64. So Wyatt, do you mind joining us next week to uh, to go through this again or another time? Or, For the next six yeah. months, I'm yours, boys. Just let me know. All right, cool. <laughs> Sounds Beauty. good. Um, yeah, I was uh, having too much fun with this uh, to uh, like I like I want to really put energy in the second half just as much as the first half. So. Yeah. It deserves our full attention for for the entirety of it. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to call it here if you guys are. Uh, and Wyatt, if you don't mind joining us again in uh, in quick succession, maybe just whenever you're free this week, honestly. Yeah. Is, is I'm free. down. So okay. Awesome. Cool. Well, in the min- meantime, where can the good people find you? Uh, at the stanchion on the Twitter. And I also do the armies. And if you want to say in the comments that uh, I do better armies than Drance, I'm sure he'd appreciate that. I have a lot of <laughs> <Yes>. fun. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm doing the armies on Wednesday and then I'll be doing probably half of the remaining games. So awesome. give me a check there. Perfect. Please, please. Yeah. If, if you subscribe to the athletic, please uh, go into the comments and talk about how much better. Uh, yes, armies please. Are. Yeah. That's yeah, the best yeah. way to do it. Yeah. There is also like lots of questions I wanted to ask about the armies, about how you got to start with working oh, yeah. with watch and everything about that. So let's do it next uh, time. Boys. And, yeah, and yeah. I know lots of people would want to hear about those stories too. So yeah, next time. Awesome. Well, this is, this has been a blast. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at failson McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at Vyasaran. You can follow me at Muskayak. And uh, yeah, uh, just vote in uh, in this bracket. Where can people, what's the easiest way for people to find that, Wyatt? Yeah, obviously there's a bit of self-promotion in the terms of follow the uh, at TTP show on Twitter. Trust the process show that I do the podcast and that's where everything's being hosted. And there's also a YouTube channel that if you missed any of the votes and just want to watch the videos to get a history lesson, uh, as was told to me, uh, better than Drance's book. There's a lot of, this is a theme here tonight. <laughs> like, Drance. Again, Drance is fantastic. I love Drance, but it's it's my job to make fun of him. Uh, yeah, you can watch the videos on our YouTube channel at, at, at TTP Show as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, man. This was a yeah, blast. Yeah, it was great to have. Yeah. Thank you very much. Today. Thanks so much, boys.